If you would look in the scriptures to the book of Proverbs again this morning, we've been on a subject for a few weeks now that we're calling the spirit of man. The spirit of man. And uh, one of our main texts is here in Proverbs 20, and the other one is in Romans 8. So if you want to be able to go from one to the other, you can. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. 20 and 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle, or a lot of translations say lamp, of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The complete Jewish Bible says the human spirit is the lamp of Adonai, the Lord. It searches one's inmost being. One of the great truths to learn about ourselves is what we are, our makeup. We are not just a body. That's where those that push the theory of evolution miss it so greatly is they don't even understand or acknowledge that you are a spirit being living in a body. Certainly, there's a lot of similarities between your body and the body of animals. The same creator made them both, made them from the same material, but... You're not just a body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. The Bible talks about the inward man and the outward man. The Lord tarries his coming and you live out your life and your body dies. That will not be the end of you. No sir, no ma'am. You will slip out of your body like pulling a hand out of a glove. And you'll probably see it laying on the floor or the table or the bed or wherever it was that it just died. And you'll realize, oh, I died. <laughs> but you, uh, if you're a believer, did you hear that phrase? If you're a believer. Now, if you're not, it's going to be a completely different scenario. Everyone does not go to heaven when they die. People try to talk like they do, act like they do, but it's simply not true. The Bible says something else. But you will still be you outside of your body. You're looking at me right now through those two windows we call eyes. You're on the inside. Your, your body is the house you live in. And so we need to be aware of not just the outer man, but we need to be aware of the inner man. And just like the outer man needs to be fed, well, the inner man needs to be fed. And just like the outer man needs to be developed, get some exercise and develop, the inner man needs to be exercised and developed. Look with me in Romans, the 8th chapter, please. Romans 8 and 14. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
sons of God, that means male sons and female sons, should be led not by reasoning, feeling, logic, numbers, randomness. Children of God should be led by the Spirit of God. Shouldn't they? That means you shouldn't be led by needs or by opportunities or by price or by pressure or any one of a thousand other things that tries to push you toward a choice or decision every day of your life. You want to discipline yourself to only be led by the Spirit of God. Only to be led internally, not externally, but to be led and directed internally. Keep reading, verse 15. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's the spirit that's outside in this world trying to coerce you, trying to manipulate you. One of the big things not to act on is fear. Fear. We just got through with pilot training a, a few days ago. We, we have to go ever so often. Uh, tell you a funny story, brother. Kenneth Copeland has been a pilot now for what, 60, 70 years, I guess? 60 something years. That's a long time. And uh, years ago, when uh, we were with the Hagens, brother Kenneth Hagen, Miss Aretha, and uh, something came up, and he had been flying at that time for 30 years, and, and so something was said about him going to school. And uh, Miss Aretha, Brother Hagen's wife, asked us, said, well, how long has he been flying? We said, well, 30-some years. And he's going to school? Yeah. He said, well, when's he going to learn how to fly that thing? <laughs> but you, one of the reasons you need to go back is because when you fly and everything works good, you don't deal with emergencies. So you can go a whole six months or a year and you never had an emergency. Well, if you never trained to deal with an emergency, you're not going to be sharp to deal with one. So they put us in simulators that feels just like the real thing, and then they make the engines catch on fire, and then they... You know, they make things explode and come apart, and they, they do, you know, disturbing things. <laughs> but one of the things that, and you'll for, you forget that you're in a simulator. It's so real that you, you know, you think you're in the real thing. I mean, you look out your window and it's blue sky or it's black night and, or whatever it is. And, and so anyway, one of the big things that you train to do is not just do something out of shock or fear. Can you see that? There have been many people that have died and crashed because something happened and they went, oh no, and they did this and it was the last thing you should have done. You should have sat there for just a moment and calmed yourself, right? And thought, okay, what, what's wrong now? What do I need to do? You know that landing of that uh, Airbus in the Hudson with Captain Sully? That is a great example of how to do it. He was cool as a cucumber, 
And he didn't do a bunch of unnecessary stuff. He just went right. But I heard him describe it in an interview. He said the first thing, it just shocked him, you know, because this has never happened before. They don't even train for that kind of thing. And then he took just a couple of seconds. He didn't have many to take, but to just calm himself and, and, and not think about what you don't have, but what do I have? What can I do? Well, that, that's more than just a lesson for flying. That's a lesson for life. Come on, can you see that? Because that's what the enemy's counting on, that when he slaps you with something that you did not expect, that knee-jerk, you do something out of fear that really messes you up, that really opens the door. Said out loud, I refuse, I refuse to be led by shock and fear. See, we which have believed, we enter into rest. And by the amazing peace of God that passes understanding, you can have calm in the midst of the storm. And as you wait on him and check with him in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. As you check with him and, and get quiet for just a moment and don't just do something because you're scared, he'll show you what to do. And if you're led by the Spirit, you'll get it right every time. And he'll lead you right out of the problem into victory. Do you believe it, child of God? Said out loud, I'm not led by fear. I'm led by the Spirit of God. You know, he's also the Spirit of peace. Finish reading this, verse 15. We didn't receive the spirit of bondage to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, that's he's called the comforter. He's the spirit that makes you feel comfortable and at ease and at peace and like you belong. Verse 16, the spirit itself, and, and uh, that most translations say himself, and that's a more accurate translation. The spirit himself bears witness with what part of our being? Our Not our head. Not our emotions, not our feelings, our spirit, that we are the children of God. If we're going to be led by the spirit, we must know what part of our being he communicates with us through. Not our feelings, not our intellect, but our spirit. Go with me, please, over to the book of John. The uh, 14th chapter. Now we talked last time about developing our spirit. How to do it. How our spirit becomes stronger. And how we become more aware of our own spirit. And how we, how we learn to be led by his spirit through our spirit. Because his spirit dwells in us. We talked about last week, I believe it was, about a, that the Word, God's Word, must be first place in your life. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, most all church-going people will agree with every word I just said, but precious few actually do it. What do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, 
the word is not their final authority. Most are woefully ignorant of the word. And people say, well, you know, people have the idea, well, I don't know, you could even understand it anyway. I mean, it's so, well, you're speaking disrespectfully of the word. Why did the Lord give it to you? And why would he give you the author of the book to explain it to you? And help you to understand it. And why would he tell you in the word. Don't be unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've got millions of church going Christians. That believe some form or fashion. That everything that's happening is the perfect will of God. So unscriptural. So contrary to the Bible. I mean, if everything that's happening is the will of God, the mysterious, unknowable will of God, then why would he tell you to understand what the will of God is? Why would he tell you to be transformed so that you could prove what's the the good and perfect and pleasing will of God? If everything's the will of God, you don't need discernment about what the will of God is. It's all the will of God. Can you see this? This is one of the biggest lies that is sold to the church. And it sounds so religious. What? God is in control. And man, if you imply anything else, oh, people go berserk. What do you mean? If you're talking about the overall general plan that ultimately... God's will and his kingdom being established is going to be done. Yes, it's going to be done. Whether you or I are involved or not is another thing. He's not making that choice for us. He doesn't force anybody to find his will or choose his will or do his will. Now, if you don't do it and I don't do it, He'll find somebody that will. (laughs) And he'll get it done through them. And they'll get your reward. It's a fact. But we are responsible to use our minds and use our hearts and seek his word. And find out his will through his word and prayer. and, And pursue that. And choose that. Do you agree, child of God? This is so important. So many Christians don't believe this. And it's why year after year, decade after decade, they just live in limbo. They live in darkness and ignorance about it. No, God's will is findable. His will is knowable. In fact, he told you to seek for it. Look for it, didn't he? Seek. And you shall find. Ask it will be given to you. Knock it will be opened to you. Didn't he say this? John 14. Would you go there please? So what we saw last week. And I'm just reviewing a little bit. Is that. In order for my spirit to develop. It must be fed. And not just fed on. Entertainment and ungodly stuff. It's got to be fed. On the anointed word of God. That is spirit food. That is faith food. And I must give it first place. 
if I find out from the word that what I'm doing is wrong, then here we are. Am I going to submit to that and change? Or am I going to ignore the word and yield to the flesh? If you don't give the word first place, you will actually dull yourself to the leadings of the Lord. We'll see that more today. And you won't develop. You'll grow weaker in spirit. People get mad because, you know, somebody doesn't agree with them and their sin and tell them it's okay. So they quit church. They quit this. They quit that. Well, what's going to happen to their spiritual development? They're not being fed. They're not exercising and developing. They'll just live a life dominated by their flesh and won't find and do the will and plan of God for their life. And it's so short. Life is so short. We don't have 10 years to waste, 20 years to waste. So number one, the Word of God must be first place in our lives. If God said it, that's it. If you don't like it, tough. <laughs> right? If I don't like it, tough. It still says what it says. And it's right. And if I'm serious about serving God, then it's settled. He said it. That's what we're going to do. I mean, otherwise, you're just playing church. Would you agree that the Word of God should be first place in your life. Well, how can it be first place and you don't even know what it says? Right? If it's not important enough to you to even ever read it or even ever try to find out what it says, it can't be first place. But then once you find out what it says, if you take it as a suggestion and an option, well, you're not going to develop because the first time your flesh don't like something, you're just going to ignore it and Pretend you don't see it. You won't develop. It has to be. Say it out loud. The Word of God must be first place in my life. Final authority in every situation. Amen. And, um, you know, a lot of people are not going to do that. And I know that. But a lot of people miss the plan of God, too. He still loves them. But they'll miss out on so much in this life. Here's, here's another thing we need to see today. John 14, 17. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 16. John 14, 16. Jesus said, I'll pray the Father. He'll give you another comforter. Now he said another because he was their present comforter. Jesus himself. And when he says another, the words imply another of the same kind. Because remember, they were upset that he's leaving. <laughs> and uh, he said, no, it's actually better for you that I go. Because I'm going to pray the Father, he's going to give you another comforter, and he, that's why we said in Romans 8, he, instead of it, never refer to the Holy Spirit as it. You know, do you like being referred to as it? Why, well, you're a person. He's a person. He may abide with you forever. Keep reading. 
Even the spirit of what? The what? The Lord gave me some years ago three words that begin with R as a synopsis of developing spiritually and being led by the Spirit. Respect and, uh, oh, what did I do? Did I let one of them slip, didn't I? Recognize, thank you. I didn't have them in order. Respect, recognize, and respond. Talking about to the Holy Spirit. You must show respect to the Holy Spirit if you're going to yield to Him. You must recognize that it's Him if you're going to yield to Him. And then once you do recognize it's Him, what, what do you need to do? You need to respond. If he tells you to do something, you, that's what you do. Say it out loud, uh, respect, recognize, respond. And can you see that last week talking about the word being first place, is that respecting? That's respecting his word, that's respecting him. And we're still talking about uh, recognizing him with this. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So nothing that had any part of a lie or deception could be the Holy Spirit. Amen. Cannot be. He's the spirit of truth. Everybody say spirit of truth. This is the spirit of God who lives inside every believer. He's the Holy Spirit. And, and, and who else is he? He's the spirit of truth. Everybody say truth. Truth. I'm believing God to help me with utterance because this is one of the most important things you could ever hear. What we're talking about today. And you got to watch thinking you know it. You got to watch. Everybody knows as a Christian, truth is good, lying is bad. <laughs> but And yet... Christians lie. It's quiet in here. I've had preachers look me in the face and tell me things I knew wasn't true. And I knew they knew it wasn't true. Why? Embarrassment, fear, pride and fear are two of the big reasons that people lie and hide. But the, why am I talking about that today? Because this will sit in, in just a moment. It will dampen and diminish. And actually you do it long enough and far enough. It'll do away with your ability to hear from God. I know that's a big statement. You can change. You can get it back. But lying does so many terrible things to your insides. And it gets in the way of you hearing from God. Who is the Holy Spirit? Help me out. He's the Spirit of truth. He's called the Spirit of truth again in John 15, 26. Go to the 16th chapter. Look at one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit in our life. 
John 16, 13. It says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, when who? The Spirit of truth is come, what will he do? Guide you where? Where? The Spirit of truth is going to guide us into all truth. Truth. Say it out loud. I know I'm having you say things today, but it helps your spirit. It helps you when you release faith through the spoken word. Say it out loud. The Spirit of truth lives in me. The Spirit of truth guides me into all truth. The Spirit of truth guides me into all truth. 1 John 5, don't turn there, but 1 John 5 and 5. It says, Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that? Jesus is the Son of God? 1 John 5, 5. Well, then you're an overcomer. Verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit that bears witness. Now, that's what we've been looking at for weeks now. And we know he bears witness with our spirit. But notice the rest of it. Why? The Spirit bears witness. Why? Because the Spirit is truth. Truth. Most Christians know these things, but we haven't understood how big of an issue this is. How many things have you ever read in the Bible that it said God can't do? Cannot do. And yet, multiple times, it says God cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Why would that be such a giant deal? Why is that such a huge thing? It has to do with the very nature of God himself and the stark contrast between he and the devil and all of his stuff. God has never been a partner with any kind of a deception or fraud or misleading or lie. Never. Never. And he never will be. And if you get scared or you're embarrassed and instead of telling the truth, you want to tell a lie to somebody to avoid dealing with it, there's only one place you can get that lie. Because God doesn't have any. <laughs> you can't get a lie from God and the Holy Spirit will never help you deceive anybody. Never. So where are you going to get your lie? <laughs> from the father of lies himself. And so now, who are you working with? Whew. This is bad stuff. You're working with God's enemy. Because see, that's what he does every day of your life is try to deceive you. Try to lie to you and try to deceive you. 
Why would we ever join forces with him to try to deceive our brother or sister? Or anybody else? That means you're off sides. We're giving him a voice to express deception, to deceive a brother or sister. Why am I talking about this? We're going to see more as we go. You cannot be led by the Holy Spirit yielding to lies. He's the Spirit of truth. And the only thing He's ever going to give you is truth. Right? And if you're yielding to Him, the only thing you'll ever speak yielding to Him is truth. If you're doing anything else, you're yielding to another spirit. A wrong spirit. A deceiving spirit. Look with me, if you would, please, in Proverbs 6. Everybody happy? Now, you don't want to get too sour-faced right now when I'm talking about lying. <laughs> Do you? You don't, you don't want to get, you know, <laughs> like you don't like me not approving of lying. And, I, and these are not my words. Even if you told three big ones last week, you just look straight ahead and go, amen, Brother Keith. <laughs> Somebody needs to hear this. <laughs> amen. And then if you need to, when you get home, you fall across the bed and go, oh God, oh God, I repent. But right now, just stay cool. Just stay cool. <laughs> It would be hard, difficult, to find one or two people in this auditorium that had not told a lie. It starts early. Little ones, barely able to walk and talk. You hear the cookie jar rattle. You look in the kitchen, cookie jar lids on crooked, crumbs on the, on the counter. Chocolate's on their face. You been in the cookie jar? Mm-mm. That's not funny. We've laughed at it. It ain't funny. You won't be laughing when they're 16 and you ask them, did they take money out of your purse? And they lie again. It's not funny. I know people think, oh, it's cute. No, it's devilish. And it's sad that so early the enemy is trying to influence even innocent little children to deceive and lie. And you know, some kids, by the time they're seven, eight-year-olds, they're proficient liars. It is one of the most devilish things you could ever do is tell a lie. And it's damaging to your ability to be led by the Spirit. You'll see why I keep saying that in just a few moments. In Proverbs 6, 16, Proverbs 6, 16 says, These six things does the Lord hate. Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look is one. Number two, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaks lies. 
He that sows discord among the brethren. Two of the seven (laughs) are deceiving and lies. Should you hate what he hates? I want you to say it out loud. I love the truth. I hate a lie. You need to agree with God. And love what he loves. And despise what he despises. In Proverbs 26, 22. Proverbs 26, 22 says, The words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Are we talking about some of the same thing? We saw the spirit of man's candle of the Lord searching all the inner parts of the belly. Well, that's not the only thing that can get access to there. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hates dissembleth. Now, dissembleth has to do with deception with his lips and lays up deceit within him. There is a connection between hate and lying. There's a connection between love and truth. Love will tell you the truth. Hate will lie to you. Whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso digs a pit will fall therein. He that rolls a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hates those that are afflicted by it. A flattering mouth, which is also lying, works ruin. Lying to somebody and in trying to deceive them is an act of hate. You know, people talk a lot about hate. This is hate. Lying to someone, using your intelligence, using your ability, your cunning to deceive someone is an active act of hating them. Hating them. And it's no shock because it is the language and activity of the hater himself. The devil himself. Go to John 8, please. Do you want to develop spiritually? Do you want to be aware of the Holy Spirit? When he deals with you, you know it's him. And you're sure it's him. Do you want to be led by the Spirit? And get things right, time after time. At the right place, at the right time. Said the right thing, did the right thing. Got the right result. Then you got to be done with lying. You've got to make up your mind, I am done with lying. Because the spirit you're talking about working with, who is he? Who is he? He's the spirit of truth. And the anointing that bears witness with your spirit, he is the truth, the scripture said. So being spirit-led is being truth led. Come on, can you see that? Because he is the truth, the Bible says. Isn't that what Jesus said too? I am the way, what? The truth, the truth and the life. Say it again, I I love the truth. 
you just got through saying, I love the Word, I love the Holy Spirit, I love Jesus. Say it again, I love the truth. And I hate a lie. We're not talking about hating people. We didn't even say we were talking about hating liars. We hate what? Lies. We hate the lies, the deception, and you need to hate it because it is life-destroying stuff. John 8, did you get there? John 8, 31. I know this is a little bit strong, but is it truth? What will the truth do for you? Well, you happen to be right here at that verse, in verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews that believed on him, if you continue in my word, would that be them giving the word first place in their lives? Then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know what? You'll know what? You'll know, experience the truth, and what will it do for you? The truth will make you free. The truth lets you see And the truth makes you free. Lies make you blind and lies bind. Lies blind and lies bind. The truth lets you see and the truth makes you free. No matter what anybody says, never did any good come out of a lie. Never. People say, well, I I love them too much to tell them the truth. That's contrary to the Bible. The Bible says lying is an act of hate. Now notice this. Skip on down to verse 40. Jesus is talking to the religious rulers of his day, and they're getting hotter by the second, more upset with him. He said, now you seek to kill me. They are so infuriated with him, they want to kill him. And of course, eventually, they did. A man that has told you what? Now, when the truth infuriates you, you're messed up. Right? (laughs) If it's the truth, no matter how unflattering a picture it has painted of you, it's time to repent. If the word's first place, if you love the truth, but they, they were murderous towards him. Verse 41, you do the deeds of your father. They said to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Is that true? No. That all of us, the globe over, we are all the spiritual children of the same God. That he, people worship him by different names and their different ways of access to him, but we're all really brothers and sisters. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. There are millions, billions, they're of their father, the devil. And then there's some that have been born again that are of our father, God. We're not all the same spiritual family in the earth. If you believe the words of Jesus, which I do. Verse 42, Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. They hated him. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither did I come of myself. He sent me. 
How many believe the Father sent Jesus to be the redemption for us and our Savior and sacrifice for us? Somebody say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Verse uh, 43, why don't you understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You cannot hear. You cannot hear. You cannot hear. Why couldn't they hear? How many times would Jesus tell people, him that has ears to hear? Let him hear. What does that mean? Not everybody did. What determines whether you can hear or not? These are intelligent people. They're educated people. They got multiple degrees. They're scripture textual experts. And yet he says, you can't even hear what I'm saying, can you? You can't even hear what I'm saying. Why? Why? We're going to see it more clearly as we go. Verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father or desires of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. The devil can't tell you the truth, uh, you know, for trying. Just like there's no deception in God, there's no truth in the devil. So when he tells you something, should it scare you and alarm you? First of all, you need to go, it ain't true. If it came out of his mouth, it's not true. Because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, where did lying come from? This is the answer. Not from God. God didn't create lying. There was no lying. Think about a place where there's no lying. Lying doesn't exist until the devil fathered it. He brought it into being. The devil did. He used creative abilities that God gave him when he created him to serve God. He twisted them and perverted them and produced deception and has used it as his primary tool ever since. God hates it. Did you hear the scripture? God hates lying. Oh, he hates lying. He hates deception. Why? It's destroying people's lives everywhere. And some of the biggest lies are lies that people believe about God. The devil is lying to people about God all the time. And they blame God for all of their failures and all of their problems and every disaster and every storm and every earthquake and every tornado. Somebody say lies, 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 lies. Where did everything go wrong? It was perfect. Everything that God made was good, very good, perfect. And then this evil being showed up and did what? Lied. Lied to Eve. Lied to Adam. And that's when they believed it and acted on it. That's where everything went wrong. Messed everything up. It's no wonder God hates it. You should hate it. I should hate it. Say that out loud again. I love the truth. 
And I hate a lie. I despise a lie. I refuse to tell a lie or to be a partner to any deception. I refuse to. If you don't refuse to, you'll wind up partnering with your enemy, the devil. You'll wind up doing something in cooperation with him. Because you can never get a lie from the Holy Spirit. You could only get it from the devil, God's enemy. Acts 5. Acts 5 and 3. We see in Acts 5 the most severe and most sudden judgment we see in the early history of the church with Ananias and Sapphira. Don't we? It was the most severe and it was the most sudden. And this is New Testament. Does anybody remember what happened? Acts 5.1, in case you didn't, let's go over it again. It's just a couple of verses. Acts 5.1, a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. Actually, the word agreed together is the same Greek word that refers to the prayer of agreement <laughs> in, in Matthew and other places. They, just like husband and wife might pray a prayer of agreement in faith, they were agreed together to lie. And they brought part of it and they laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said to Ananias, apparently Sapphira wasn't there yet. We see later in the text, I don't know if it just took her a long time to get ready that day or what happened. But Ananias is there at church without her with this offering. Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit? And the reason I'm looking at this, notice the phrase, who did he lie to? Who did he lie to? Who did he think he was lying to? Peter and the apostles. But who did he lie to? Who did he think he was lying to? Man. But he was lying to who? What's going on? You know that the Spirit of God tried to check them, him and his wife, about doing this. You know he did. He tried to check them. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so that was the truth. The truth came to their spirit from the Holy Spirit, that's wrong, don't try that, don't do that, forget about that. That's the truth. But they didn't want that. So they ignored the leading of the Spirit and chose a lie. Why? Trying to be a big shot. Trying to be seen and noticed in the church as this big giver, because other people were selling properties and giving the whole thing into the church and into the offerings, and so they wanted to say, we did that, and yet they didn't really want to do it, so they wanted to keep part of the money and act like they're giving it all. Pride. And verse 4, 
Why has it remained? Was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own power? In other words, we didn't tell you to, you had to give all this money. We didn't tell you you had to sell your property. We didn't tell you that you had to do this. Where did you come up with this? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? This is an inner man thing. You have not lied to men, but to God. Do you think Ananias and Sapphira would have come out and said, we're going to go lie to God? No, they're just lying to Peter. And yet, they lied to God. And you, without me reading the rest of it, you know what happened. He fell dead right there. Then when his wife came in, not long after that, they asked her, did you sell the property for so much? And you give it, yeah, yeah, that's right. Told the same lie. She fell down dead too. This is in the New Testament. In the New Testament church. This is swift judgment. This is radical judgment. Why? Friends, holy things were happening. You read the previous chapters leading up to this. I mean, the Spirit of God is moving. Amazing things are happening. And people out of love are making some giant sacrifices and gifts to, to make things. And in the middle of this, they get up and mock it. They mocked it with lies and deception. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Now notice what happens in Timothy if you do that. And you may think I've digressed, but I'm talking about how to be led by the Spirit. First Timothy, I tell you, before I get there, you said you had time. So if I take another three or four minutes, you give me three minutes and I take another three minutes. I won't keep you much longer, but I think this is important. Romans 9 and then 1 Timothy 4. I think I can close. Do you want to be led by the Spirit? Do you want to be aware of the Holy Spirit in you? And when He communicates something to you, you know it's Him. And you can boldly act on it and get it right. Well, who is He? Spirit of truth. What's He going to tell you always only? Truth. Well, what if the truth is something you don't like? Now, this happens. The Spirit of God will show you truth that your flesh doesn't like. Because it's going to mess up what your flesh wants to do. And if you so like, "Mm." if you don't want something to be God, you can pretend that it's not. Something come up in you and it was the Holy Spirit and you, but your flesh goes, oh, no, 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 we don't know what that was. You just ate too much pizza or something. I mean, we, we don't know what, why? Because if you acknowledge this is God, there's nothing left but to do it. But if you can kid yourself and play and pretend that you don't know the truth, then your flesh can keep doing what it's doing. But the problem is, You just got through saying that this wasn't the Holy Spirit. Now, three days later, you need to hear from the Holy Spirit about making a decision on the job. 
And he tries to communicate with you. Well, this was the spirit that three days ago you said wasn't God. And you've confused yourself. Come on, can you see this? Lies and deception mess up, get in, interfere with your clarity and hearing from him. He can't not be God yesterday, and, but he's God today. Who is he today? Paul kept saying something in Romans 9.1. He said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Now, does the truth in not lying have anything to do with conscience and the witness of the Spirit? It's all here in the same verse. And I noticed, I went through it last night and looked. Multiple times Paul said, I'm not lying. I lie not. I don't lie. <laughs> he said it in 2 Corinthians, said it in Galatians, he said it in, in Timothy. He said, I'm not lying. I don't lie. I lie not. I don't lie. Well, if you're godly, it's impossible for God to lie. He cannot lie. Why would he keep saying that? Because lies are everywhere. You know, we like to pretend that it's not, but oh dear me. <laughs> Lying's everywhere you turn around. Different kinds of shading and different kinds of omission and different kind of leaving the wrong impression on purpose. It's just talking to somebody who's genuinely honest with no hidden agenda is so refreshing and rare. But this is Jesus. When you see him, and you will as a believer, and you look into his eyes, and you hear his voice, you know what you'll see in here? Perfect, pure truth, total honesty, not the least bit of any hidden innuendo, any pretend or facade our falseness, zero falseness, zero. And you'll love it. Because <laughs> you, you don't have to try to figure out what he's talking about. You don't have to try to define it. He says what he means. He means what he says. No added filler. No junk. If you love him, you love the truth. Come on, say it again. I love the truth and I hate a lie. In closing, I think, 1 Timothy 4. I know this has been a little different today, but there's a reason why not everyone is developed spiritually. There's reasons why. There's some significant choices you have to make. The Word is first place. Not what this group thinks, or that group thinks, or this university teaches, or this party, or that party. The Word of God is number one. Right about everything. Final authority. Many people will not make that choice. You're smart if you do. Secondly here, there's only one way to go. That's the truth. Right? 
If somebody asks you something, here's your options. <laughs> Tell the truth or don't say anything. Y'all with me or not? Do not. You ever heard people say, well, now, you know, don't make me lie to you now. Like, it is an option. <laughs> no. If you really, really just don't want to say anything, say that. Say, I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to get into it. Whatever. That may, that may not work indefinitely, but lying's not an option. We tell the truth, or we don't say anything. That's the only two. Now notice what happened. 1 Timothy 4 and 1. The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some would depart from the faith. 1 Timothy 4 1. Giving heed to seducing spirits. What kind? This has to do with deception. And doctrines of demons. Speaking what? Lies. In hypocrisy, and what did that do to them? Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. That's how you hear from God. Can you see why I've been saying this all through? Having their conscience seared with the hot iron, Amplified says, through the hypocrisy and pretensions of liars, their consciences are seared or cauterized. The BBE says, through the false ways of men whose words are untrue, their hearts are burned as with a heated iron. Other translations say, like a branding iron. Like a branding iron to what part of you being? Your conscience. That's how you hear from God. And if your conscience is seared and cauterized, within what results is thick, unfeeling, unsensitive scar tissue. How did it get that way? Help me out. Go back to the front of the verse. How did it get that way? How did, it, how did a person's spirit, the voice of their spirit, get that way? Thick, insensitive, unfeeling. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Their conscience was seared as with a hot iron. The devil knows this. And he does not want you hearing from God. He wants you stumbling over yourself and making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision until you mess up your life and everybody else's lives around you if he can. He's a thief. He's a killer. He's a destroyer. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And the last thing he wants to happen with you and me is us to hear from God and obey God. That's the last thing. So when the pressure's on, when we're scared, when we're embarrassed, he will come and offer us an out. A lie. A lie. And it seems like it gets you out from under the gun, out from under the spotlight. It helps you to escape. But if you take that lie, and if you embrace it, and if you, if you tell it, and you deceive people with it, what is happening to your insides? Come on, can you see this? 
When you speak lies in hypocrisy, you know better than what you're saying. And when you say it and do it, what is happening to your conscience? It is getting seared to the point you you don't hear. You're not aware. Unfeeling. Unsensitive. Here's the good news. Even if you've done it and you've gotten in that shape, God can heal. Do you believe it? And if you'll stop doing that, you can become tender-hearted again. Your conscience can become clear again. And you can become aware and sensitive and well-led by the Spirit again. In fact, you can grow and develop, make the Word of God first place, feed on it, choose only truth. You can get to the place where you can hear from God better than you ever did. Right? And are better led by the Spirit than you ever dreamed you could be. Do you believe it, child of God? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I worship you. I worship you, Father. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. To your God. To your Father. Tell him you love him. Lord, we love you. We love your word. We love Jesus. We love the spirit of truth. We love the word of truth. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Just keep your eyes closed. Another way of saying the word is first place, you're saying Jesus is first place because he is the word made flesh. And if he's your Lord, then he, his word, his spirit is first place. Affirm it or reaffirm your faith. Everybody in the room and everybody watching online, everybody watching this afterwards, say it out loud. No voice is silent. Everybody say it if you believe it. Father God. I believe in you. I believe in your son Jesus. That he died on the cross. That he paid the price. For all my sins. He lived a perfect. Sinless life. The lamb. That was slain. Spotless. Thank you Lord. For raising him from the dead. And giving me eternal life and washing and cleansing and making me right in your sight by his sacrifice. I reject the devil and all of his devices. I reject with all my being his lies. His deceiving. I refuse it. I refuse to tell lies and be a partner to deception. I choose Jesus. I choose the truth. I choose the Holy Spirit. I choose the truth. I choose you. I choose the truth and the truth. Makes me free. Oh, hallelujah. 
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.